0: Hey, Oak Ridge. It is so great to be with you today. Yeah. And I want to say hey to everybody back in Kernersville. It's a privilege to get to be here to see some of your faces and talk to you in person. I don't always get to be with you, so I count it a real treat It's exciting to see how things are growing at the summit here in Oak Ridge. Addition of a third service. And those of you in the 11, you're like, that's too early. Jesus don't get up that early. Yeah, he does. And anyway, we are thankful for what God is doing that we get to be a part of it. Hey, listen, back in the fall, we did a poll. We polled all of you and asked you to answer a question. And the question was, maybe you remember this. If you don't, maybe you weren't here yet, but here's what happened. We asked you to answer the question. If you could ask Jesus any question and you knew he would answer it, what would you ask him? And the response was amazing. Amazing overwhelmingly awesome. We tallied all of the questions that came in and put them in groups because there were definitely patterns, the same kind of questions coming in, and we're going to do a series based upon those questions, and that series will start in two weeks. So two weeks from this weekend, we're starting a brand new series called, Hey Jesus! That's it. And, and we're going to use your questions, questions like, uh, what's the purpose of my life, why do good things happen to bad people, when will Jesus return, those kinds of things. And just remember, and much more, by the way, it's going to be like a six-week series. So uh, just know that when we um, do that series, you, you ask for it. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun series. Back in 1988, boy, that seems like a long time ago, Nike debuted a commercial about an 80-year-old guy named Walt Running 17 miles every morning. And for the very first time, they introduced to us the iconic slogan. You know this. Just do it. One of the best uh, advertising campaigns in in history. Right? Just do it. I mean, and when you're 80 years old, that's all you need to know. To run 17 miles every morning. What else are you going to do? You just do it. Simple, right? And inspiring. Now, even though I don't look it, I've been doing this pastoring thing for about 30 years. Yeah, 30 years, actually. A little bit beyond. And I got started early. And just, I'm surprised as you are. So, (laughs) over the last 30 years, I find myself getting to a point Regularly, where I, I want to say to Christians and I want to say to Jesus followers and I want to say to churches and I want to say to people that are involved in church, just that. Just do it. OK? Just just do it. I think that is a very appropriate way to understand and approach the faith journey. And here's why. I don't know when this happened. I think it happened before I got here and before we got here and before our journey. But somewhere along the way, the Christian journey, the faith journey, following Jesus, being a part of a church, all this stuff. Somewhere along the way, it became a spectator sport. It became passive and somewhere along the way, following Jesus and being a Christian and being involved in the church became about just believing a bunch of stuff about God. Believing things about Jesus and what you believe is very important. But pretty much that's where it stopped. And I, I, wonder, I wonder if the first Christians in the first century could speak to us And they could see our version of Christianity and our version of church and what we've turned it into. And listen, I'm just not blaming us. We've inherited this, yet we perpetuate it. I think they would look at us and go, what are y'all doing? Y'all call that following Jesus? Wait, y'all praying for what? You're involved in doing what? We don't even understand that. As, As they were fighting to stay alive, and not be killed because of their decision to follow Jesus. Right? Hashtag blessed. What, what the heck is that? And you, what, you see what I'm saying? Somewhere along the way. It's become passive. It, it's subtle. It's subtle. But it, it has been sucked up into a consumer mentality where following Jesus for most of us. And I put me right here with you becomes focused primarily on what God does for me. And it's it's the fault of pastors like me, and teachers, and authors, where when we talk to people about following Jesus, we pitch it in terms of, hey, God's going to be good to you, and God's going to bless you, and you're going to experience victory, and you're going to live your best life now, and you're going to have this, and you're going to have more joy, and you're going to have more this. and, And here's the deal. All of that is a part of it, and all of that is true. But I wonder how we got to the point where we have made God exist for us and forgetting who came first, and that we exist for him. And that following Jesus is not just about what God does for me to help me and bless me and get me to heaven. We have made this thing so self-focused, and we don't even realize it. So, yeah, if you're a Jesus follower, I'm about to crawl up in your lunchbox with you, okay? We, we need to have a heart-to-heart. It's so a warning. Buckle up. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, sit back and relax. You're about to get a bird's-eye view in what following Jesus is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to be like. And just so you know, when you decide, if you decide, and hopefully you will decide to follow Jesus as well one day, this is what it's about. And I think you will agree. Somewhere along the line, and I'm not sure how this happened, we began to assume that salvation is the finish line. Salvation. I put it in quotes because salvation, you know, that that part that that point in your life where you begin to understand that Jesus is your Savior, that he gave his life for you, and you're trusting him. And maybe you prayed a prayer and, and said f- certain things, even though you know, we're, t- we're not told in the Bible you got to pray this prayer. You know, we've kind of turned it into that because we like systems and we like, you know, we like little ditties. And so maybe you prayed a prayer and now you believe in Jesus and you know you're going to heaven when you die. So there you go. I'm good to go and now back to your life, and now back to your job, and now back to your relationships, and your hopes and dreams, and how God can help you fulfill all of that. That's what we've turned it into. Salvation is the finish line. I hear people say to me all the time, well, pastor, you just need to know the main thing's the main thing. At least I know where I'm going when I die. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. That, that's all that matters, right? No, that's not all that matters. Because here's the deal, you ain't dead yet, so you ain't in heaven, you're here, so what the heck are you doing? What are you up to? What are you doing? So what? What about now? What about here? Now yeah, we assume that salvation is the finish line, and we have slang for it too. We call it getting saved. Right? Oh, I got saved, I got saved, I get saved. Are you saved? I get saved. You know? I'm like, here's the deal, salvation ain't about getting anything. I'm not saying it's bad to say, I just think it, it it's just it misses the point. It's not about getting. You know what it's about? It's about simply receiving. It's about receiving. It's about joining Jesus' invitation to trust. And Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And salvation is about us saying, Yes, I trust you, and I will follow you. Yeah. It's Not about getting something where you can check that box and say, "I know I'm ready to die." When I go, you know, when I die, I'll go to heaven. That's the main thing, right? No, it's not. Because I asked you the question: What do you say for? What do you say for? Are you just saved for heaven. We talked about this. It's kind of funny, but it makes its point. If the whole point of getting saved, experiencing salvation, was to get to heaven, God would have killed you as soon as you began to put your trust in Him. I mean, like they're good. Beam me up. But he left you here. Why? He left us here. Why? There must be something here now for us to do. Something here now in this life. Because when you assume that salvation is the finish line, you won't actively engage your faith. You don't. You just kind of assume, okay, I prayed the prayer, I'm good to go, and now back to my life. Now back to what I want to do and how I want to live, and everything will just kind of take care of itself. I'm just here, I'm just waiting until Jesus comes, or waiting until I go to, you know, go to see him when I die, and I'm, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. So and it, everything will take care of itself, because i got the main thing taken care of. Whew. We just don't actively engage our faith. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Education doesn't work like that. You have to actively engage the process of getting an education in order to get an education. It doesn't happen automatically. Your job, your career doesn't happen like that. You have to actively do your job. Your job doesn't do itself. We understand career that way. Your marriage, you know, it doesn't work like that. It's not, it's not like you can just automatically have a great marriage. I mean, all you have to do is be married for like 30 minutes and then you realize, I actually have to do something. I actually have to be married. I have to actually do this. And parenting's the same way. Kids do not self-parent themselves. Don't you wish every parent knew that? Yeah, it's it, it, faith journey is no different. It's not a spectator sport. You got to get in the game. Or let me say it like this: Faith works best when faith goes to work. Faith works best when faith goes to work. What I'm saying is, your faith journey is meant to be action oriented. Not kick back and relax and what God going to do for me and help me and bless me. It's amazing to listen to our prayers. I wonder how defining our prayers are when you think about the kinds of things you pray for. God help me. God bless me. God fix this for me. God do this for me. What's this about? Me? I wonder how many of our prayers is God help me join you. God, what do you want me to do? God, show me my next step. God, I take up your invitation. I join you in what you're wanting to do in my life and in the world. We've made it so so self-focused. It's meant to be action-oriented. We even have a phrase that we use that, I'm just not real crazy about it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just don't like it because it leads us to the wrong conclusion. We say, Jesus is my personal Savior, as if it's just for you, like he's just for you. Like you're the only one he died for. No. He's not just your personal Savior. Now you get an invitation to the party. You get invited. I get invited. But he is the Savior of the world. And it is so much bigger than me and you. And he invites us and he challenges us to join him. And your faith is going to work best when you realize that. And your faith goes to work in response to the work of Christ, in response to what Jesus has done. It's not about a performance-driven thing. This whole thing is grace. It's all grace, as we will see in a minute. But that grace of God requires that we participate and that we come alongside with an active response. It's just so clear in the Scriptures. You can't get around it. You can. You cannot read the New Testament honestly and sidestep this. You cannot read the New Testament and what Jesus said and what the apostles taught and and make it about you and me. Not if we're going to really let the truth be the truth. Let me just show you. Let me just give you a quick survey, okay? Paul writes to a group of Christians in Ephesus, "...it is by grace that you have been saved through faith." This is not from yourselves. You haven't earned it. You haven't qualified for it. It's not about you turning over a new leaf. You can't earn this. It's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one will boast and brag about it. This is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. This whole thing is grace. It all starts with grace. It is a gift of God to be received. It is not something you get. You get. No, it is something you just receive freely. But watch. Why did he do this? Why aren't we saved? What are we saved for? Not just for heaven. Hmm. He tells us we're God's handiwork. And we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Here's why you've been saved. Here's why you've been invited to join in, in what God is doing in the world. So that you will do something. He said, to do God good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this. He prepared in advance. This was the whole idea of Jesus coming to earth, dying on the cross, forgiving our sins for us to simply go to church one hour a week. Nope. Jesus did not give his one and only life for you to sit here for an hour or join us for an hour once a week. And we're glad you're here. But if you think that this is a finish line, oh no, this is a starting point. This is not the finish line. What he, all of this, God prepared in advance, all of this, the gift of grace, all of this in advance for us to do something. James, Jesus' brother, asked a rhetorical question to the early Christians to help them get it, and they got it. And I think that's why they would look at us and say, how did you guys miss this? Here's what James says. It's a rhetorical question. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, if you say, I'm saved, I don't know where I'm going when I die. If you say that stuff and, and you don't show it by your actions, what good is it? It's a rhetorical question. We should know the answer to this. But in case we don't understand how rhetorical questions work, James actually goes on in James chapter two and he says, I'll tell you what good it does. It doesn't do any good. It's useless. In fact, he uses the word dead. Your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead, lifeless, useless. In other words, it's there but it's not performing. It is not doing. It is not producing the things it was meant to produce. Yeah. In response to God's grace. Now here's how it's supposed to work. Paul describes it like this. Again, you cannot read, I'm just giving you snapshots in the New Testament. You cannot honestly read the New Testament and sidestep this and make it about you and make it about me. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The word reconcile is a banking term. It's to bring things into alignment, to make the numbers match, to make the numbers meet to where they're supposed to be. To reconcile the books, you reconcile things, you get it. This is what God was doing when Jesus was on the cross. He was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. In other words, he was no longer counting people's sins against them. (laughs) Isn't that good news? And maybe you've never seen that side of God. Maybe you didn't know God was like that. Maybe you thought God walked around with a book and a ledger, and you got, oh, you did four good things, but you did six bad things. right? Now, God's not like that. Because of Jesus, he no longer counts people's sins against them. Through Jesus, he no longer counts people's sins against them. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know that's who God really is. He no longer counts your crap against you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, kind of makes us wonder why we do that to each other. Hmm. Yeah, I, I won't go down that road. That's, that's a different topic. Aren't you glad? God doesn't count your sins against you. So here's the plan. He gave us that wonderful message of reconciliation. That that God was in Christ on the cross. God no longer counts your sins against you. God offers forgiveness out of his love, out of his unconditional love. That's what God, the message, God gave us. Who? You preachers? No. You seminary trained folks? No. Us. Followers of Jesus. Jesus which means you too. God gave us this message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. We are here for his agenda. He is not here for ours. Get that. Please understand, God did not save you to make your life better. He saves you to welcome you into something so much bigger than you, which in turn will make your life better in more ways than you can imagine. But it also may call you to the point of sacrifice and surrender and challenge you to live. Just like we saw last week, you no longer live for yourself. You no longer live for yourself. You live for the one who died and gave his life for you. We're Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us now. That's the plan. That's what this is going. This is, this is what's happening. God's making his appeal through you. Did you know that? That's the point. God wants in your home, in your neighborhood, where you work, to make his appeal to the world through you. Uh Uh-oh. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Hmm. One more. You can't can't get around this. We have a job to do. We have a job to do. Jesus is one of his last conversations he had with his followers before he left earth. We call it the Great Commission. And we assume that this is something that applies to the church. And it certainly applies to the church, but it actually wasn't given to the church. The Great Commission was given to Jesus' individual followers about 30 to 40 days before the church actually started. So to his individual followers... After he died and rose again, and here he is, the resurrected Savior. Wow, can't believe we're talking to him. Here he is, exactly the way he said it. None of us believed. None of us saw this. Wow, mind blown. And Jesus is saying, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I want you to do something. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples, or go duplicate yourself. You're my followers. Go make more followers. Go help more people follow me. Go and make disciples of all nations. And the word nation there is where we get our word ethnicity, ethne. Um, It's people groups. It's not just countries. It's people groups, which means all groups of people everywhere in every country, in every neighborhood, in every family, all people groups. Go make disciples. Go. That's the order is to go. That's what God expects of you and me is to go. Not just to church. He didn't say, therefore, go to church. No. He said, go to the world. Go to the world. You don't have to answer this out loud. Please don't. But doesn't this sound foreign to us? Doesn't this sound weird? Doesn't it sound almost like offensive and I never heard this. I thought I thought I'm just supposed to be blessed and and kick back and live the abundant life and whatever you think you've turned that into. and Yeah, God's here for me. No. God's not here for you. You're here for him. Now you benefit, but we're here for him. He came first. He created us. Don't, don't get that backwards. And he says, go. Here's what I want you to do. Go. Simple, clear action. So I wonder how we're doing with that. The going part. He said, well, I don't don't feel called. That got nothing to do with it. He said, go. Consider yourself called. You have been called to go. Because faith works best when faith goes to work. Let me turn it into a question. So as a result, since our faith journey works best when it goes to work and is meant to be action-oriented, what is your next action step? your faith journey. You need to answer that. You owe it to yourself to answer that. You need to wrestle that one to the ground. What is your next action step? Maybe you can hardly get beyond your next prayer request for God to bless you more. Maybe that's where you're stuck. God bless my business. God bless this. God, I need this. God do this. God blow this up. God help this. God help me. No, wait, wait, wait. Wrong. Okay. How about this? God, what is my next action step on my faith journey? I get it at times, that may be fuzzy to you, and you may not be sure immediately, but here's what I believe more than that. I believe that you probably already got a hunch what that next action step is, because you probably thought about it, and you're like, one day, one day, one day, one day. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, preacher, I know, I know, I know. Okay, 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 well, this is about just doing it, just doing it. And everybody's next step may be a little different. If you're new in your faith, your next step's gonna look a little different than someone who's just coming back. Maybe they kind of wandered away and maybe you're coming back and your next step will look a little different. And if you've been following Jesus for many years and you consider yourself a mature follower of Jesus, do you know what your next step is about? It's about leading others. It's about investing into other people and helping them take their next steps. Not at any point in our faith journey will it become about us. Not at any point. And so the simple challenge is to go. Some of you need to go across the world. You really do. You need to, you need to go, and like those mission trips we just told you about earlier, you can start there. Go with us to Guinea, West Africa. Go with us to Guatemala. Go with us to, uh, we're going to be going to Scotland. Uh, go with us there. Go with us to Atlanta. And, and maybe it's domestic type you know, things here in the U.S. Just go. Go across the world. Maybe that's your next action step. For some of you, it's going across the community. Right? Because going across the world is sexy. Going to Stokes County <laughs> ain't so much. Guilford, you know, Forsyth, Davidson, Surrey. You're my West Virginia. No, (laughs) like what? That's foreign. Go across the community. Some of you need to go across the street. You need to serve. You need to volunteer. You need to meet your neighbors. You need to say, hey, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I invest into your life? Go across the street. And some of you need to go across the room. How do you need to go? You've been called to go, so you need to get You go across the room, have a conversation with someone you've been avoiding. Go across the room and forgive someone that you've been holding a grudge against. Go across the room and listen to someone that you've been ignoring. To help someone. Yeah. Simply go. Don't just sit anymore. Stop watching. Stop consuming. Trust God. Leave your comfort zone. Go to a new area. Be brave. Be courageous. Take a risk yeah, and go. What else are you doing? What else are you doing? Trying to figure out how God can help your life? I'm telling you, that, that's the wrong focus. We are to join him in what he has asked us to do. And there's so many reasons probably why we don't. I I could say, I could be a little harsh and say, I think we're lazy. I think we're apathetic. But I'll dial that down a little bit, a little more PC. Let's just say we're comfortable. We're comfortable. You got your life the way you like it. I know it ain't perfect. I know you got problems. I know the car battery died. And I know what a crisis that can be. So you got issues, yeah. But you're pretty much comfortable. We get that way, don't we? Everything's good absolutely. I mean, I got, I got challenges like the nest fella, like, you know, like anybody, but deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you're comfortable and you like it that way. And you're just content. And I got, listen, listen, I got my priorities straight. First of all, I know where I'm going when I die. And I got in there. I go to church, man. I'm there most of the time. I make sure I got my priorities right. I got, got I got him a slot. I got him a slot. God must be overjoyed at the slot that we have carved out for him. That's exactly. No, it's not. It's not. What's your next action step? Maybe you don't because you're waiting for a feeling. You're waiting for a circumstance. You're waiting for a sign. Well, Here's your sign. Go. Go. Maybe it's just you're so busy. That's probably a lot of it. Maybe you want to. You're like, man, I do. I hear you. Thank you for that reminder. And preacher, I'll tell you what, when things settle down, <laughs> whoo, I am busy right now. This is a busy season for me. See, you understand? And God knows that. God knows. And I wonder if God's looking at us going, I know you're busy. I know, I know, Who? you got a lot going on. Um, when things settle down, if if you could just kind of kind of get back to this thing that which is the whole thing, which is the main thing, which is the only thing really that's gonna matter after your busyness is done, you know. Maybe, maybe the best action step for some of us is to start subtracting some things in our life. Enough of that. No more of that. We're not doing that anymore. I'm not doing this. Cancel that because I need to spend my one and only life joining Jesus and going in how he wants me to go. Yeah. You probably already know what your next action step is. Now you just need to do it. Here at the summit, we challenge you with these a lot because these are five next steps. These are not all the next steps. There are many more than five next steps. But in our church family, we believe that if these are a part of your next action steps on a consistent basis, then you will be moving in the right direction. Now, these are not boxes to check. In other words, there will be a few of you, not many of you, but a handful of you that go, check, 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 check. I'm done. All five of those. I'm ready to die and go to heaven. Kicking back now. No, no, no. no. If, then you need to help somebody else. You need to invest into somebody else. You need to lead others to do the same. But seriously, some of you, your next step is to be baptized. It really is. Just like we have celebrated the day, baptisms, it is your going public with your faith. You say, well, that's private. No, no, it's personal. You're confusing the two. Our faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Baptism is going public, saying, I'm with Jesus and I'm with y'all. I'm with him and I'm with y'all. I'm with the church, I'm with him. I am ready to go. I am trusting and following Jesus. Sign me up. Here I go. And that might be your next action step of going. If it is, let's get you signed up. Let's celebrate together. For others of you, it's to get in a group. To journey with others who are journeying with Jesus. Because you were never meant to journey alone. Never meant to be just about you and just for you. No, our faith is connected to the faith of others. Here at the Summit, we talk a lot about groups. In fact, I made a quick list, right? Just a quick list. Just to give you, if you're like, nah, I doubt you got anything for me. I don't, you know, I'm not really, I got my friends. Well, great. Group up with your friends. Get your own friends. If you got your click and you don't want to be a part of anybody else's click, then click up. Great. Just click up for the right reasons. Like, for instance, if you're looking for a group, we got groups coming on now that are ongoing and short-term. Some married couples groups are getting started. Men's groups getting started. Women's groups are getting started. Uh, groups about, you know, how to read the Bible, study the Bible. Uh, here's, a, here's a group we're starting on healing through grief. If you've gone through a loss and you're dealing with grief, how, to, how God brings healing through grief. Uh, we're doing a group on divorce, uh, recovery, not how to have one, um... <laughs> yeah, clarify that. Well, they were on speaking terms when they went in. <laughs> Recovery that can that could be difficult. Financial freedom and even one on physical health. All that stuff's important. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're told we live unhealthy lives. We won't be able to go like we've been called to go. Yeah, groups might be the thing for you. Huh? Some of you. Your next action step is to serve. Serve. You show up all the time and you are served. We park you. We greet you. We serve your family. We serve your students. We serve you. We, and it's now time for you to join the army of servants. Because Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served, and you follow me. right? So the idea of you not serving and being a follower of the one who came to serve <laughs> makes no sense. Makes no sense. That's why I think that our brothers and sisters in the first century would go, What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? You read books about it, but you don't do it. You listen to music about it all week long. Caleb, okay, what if okay, Cave, what, what? I don't know. Y'all listen to it, but you don't do it. And at least in, until something bad happens in your life and you're like, Oh God. It's hard, isn't it? Right? It sounds foreign. Some of your next step, boy, talking about hard is to give and resource God's kingdom work on planet earth, right? None of you are gonna get to heaven one day and God's gonna bring you up front and go, hey, look how he retired. Look how they, did you see, do you see what they, do you see how many vacations they took? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with retiring. There's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having stuff, but that money that you call yours ain't yours. Even though you say you earned it, everything you had to earn it with was a gift from God. The time, the oxygen, the strength, the ability, everything you have is a gift from him. And so maybe your next action step is to be a wise and faithful steward and be generous with what God has entrusted to you. And some of you, you need to invite. It's time to invite somebody to join you, to say, come and see, come and see what's brought changed to my life, how Jesus is changing me, I, I just consider it. Just consider. Come, come experience this with me. I don't know what your next action step is, but my gut feeling tells me you probably got a hunch, and you just need to do it. Just do it. Well, I'm praying about it, preacher. Okay, it's great to pray. Just make sure you're praying about it. It's not a spiritual way of stalling in Jesus' name. Right, I'm praying about that and I'm praying about that. How convenient. But here's the deal. God's not withholding that information from you. What's your next action step? God wants you to know more than you do. God's not going, I don't know if you want it bad enough. No, God's like, just go. Come on, just go. You, You won't go to the wrong place. You won't go in the wrong way. Just go, go. And the rest we figure out along the way. My prayer for you is that you will Realize that your faith journey is going to work best when it is action-oriented, when it goes to work, and you are becoming who God created you to become in Jesus. And my prayer as your pastor, for you, is the same prayer that I've shared with you the last two weeks, that the God of peace will equip you with all you need for doing, doing his will, My prayer is that he will produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that's pleasing to him. Not pleasing to me, not pleasing to you, but to him because all glory to him forever. This is about him forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for the gut check. I needed it. I need it regularly. Forgive me, forgive us for taking what you did on the cross and making it about ourselves. Father, may we just simply go. May we not turn salvation into a finish line, but let it be the starting point the beginning that you intended it to be from the very beginning. And may we discover how you want us to join you in what you are doing, not just in our lives, but in the world, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and yes, in our own lives too. But a part of something so much bigger than any one of us. Help us to go. And just do it. In Jesus' name, amen.